Good morning. morning. One of my favorite things about what God's doing in our midst is we have a crew of elders who are older, who are wiser, who have been there, who have taken the walk, and who are helping us navigate, which is really, really wonderful. Amen? Amen. Because I don't know it all, and I'm so grateful to have people around who are helping us go. So we have a new PA system. We are working out the kinks. Please give us grace. And uh, let me ask, way back on the back row, can you hear me okay? There's a little bit of echo in here. If it, if it doesn't end up working, we can go back over here. Or there's even a couple other spots in the school we could use. But we're trying it out, okay? So uh, last week we had a little bit of trouble on the back rows, but we look okay back there? All right, cool. I'm loud enough. I'm 38 and I am bald. <laughs> I'm in uh, Galatians 5.22. Um, And I want to introduce kind of a new series that we're doing. It's called The Renewed Life. It's four weeks. I'm starting today with the fruit of the Spirit. Um, And and let me also say we've intentionally um, launched Saltbox with three series, kind of back-to-back, that have to do with how the Holy Spirit interacts either with our church, with our life, um, or with our families. This one's more about our personal life, how the Holy Spirit interacts in us and through us. So it's called The Renewed Life. I'm starting today with... Um, the fruit of the Spirit, which is fun. Next week we have the gifts of the Spirit. Then we're throwing Clive Calver, that's Dr. Clive Calver, who's going to be up there on the third week. Um, And we're throwing him a couple of really challenging gifts of the Spirit that he's going to address. And then we're landing the plane on this series with the blessed life, talking about the blessing that the Holy Spirit is as he moves in us and through us. Sound good? All right. Um, I'm in Galatians 5.22. This is a wonderful passage, probably one of my favorites. Um... I'm actually going to read it out of the New Living Translation. But this is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing out of probably one of the earlier um, epistles or letters that he wrote to the new churches. And uh, here is what he says in Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, oh, excuse me, there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we open your word, as we look at Galatians, Holy Spirit, would you be active in our lives this morning? Would you enlighten your word in our lives? Father, I ask that you would move in us and through us. Lord, I love that little passage that just said, those who are are in you have nailed their sinful nature to the cross. We were literally crucified with Christ. And you now live in us and through us. So Lord, as we look at the gifts of the Spirit, and and more importantly today, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, would you enliven us, and Lord, would you allow us to carry the fruit of the Spirit into our marriages, into our families, into our jobs, into our relationships with our kids, parents, Lord, everyone around us, would you let us be people who are found walking in the Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, here's what I want to do. I want to break my message today kind of into two parts. Um, I got a funny echo. Are you okay? Everybody okay? 
Um, I, I want to break it into two parts, and I kind of want to talk about um, the theology of spiritual gifts just for a, a few minutes, and then I want to flip, um, excuse me, the theology of the fruit of the Spirit for a few minutes, and then I want to flip, and I want to talk about sort of some practicals, how can we activate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Can I do that? So the first thing that I would have to say is when we are born, we are born selfish. We are born self-centered. We are born not full of those fruits of the Spirit. Think about this. Usually a child, when they're born, is going to say mama or daddy first, right? Something like that. But what's the third, fourth, fifth, you know, it's a four-letter word... Mine, who said it? Yeah, Andy, yeah, that's right, mine. I mean, we, we don't, that, you do not have to teach them. That is exactly right. <laughs> they just know it. Like, it is just, it is there. And, you know, it's funny, if you're, if you're here this morning and, and you have kids, then uh, you know this. If you have grandkids, you can probably remember back to when they, you know, you were raising kids. But something happens, we're, we have three, and something happens on the third one, and, uh, you know, it, it, you reach this point where you're just like, just give them whatever they want. Just, 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 get, just, just do it. We were sitting at the table the other day, and, and we're all talking, and our sweet little Amelia, who's 16 months old, and, and truly the delight of our, of our life right now, was sitting there and squallering for a goldfish or a little Chex Mix. And we're trying to talk, and I was literally like, just, just give her whatever she wants. And you know, when, that is not a good parenting tip. I mean, that is not something that I want to say, oh, we, I recommend this. But something that happens, you know, just by your third child, you're like, oh, whatever, just, just let them have what they want for the minute so that we, the rest of us, can sort of talk. We're sharing about our days. You know, I'm being kind of silly here, um, but the reason I'm doing it is to illustrate we are truly born with selfishness and self-centeredness activated in our lives. In fact, if we're all honest, we could probably talk about our marriages. We could probably talk about our, the relationships with our coworkers, our friends, our family. We could go down the list. And if we're not careful, we so easily orient back to, what can I get? It's about me. You know, my needs, my, 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 you know, you fill in the blank, right? I mean, it just happens so fast. And for me, when I read this, this whole list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, it, it almost becomes like a tape measure that I can go, Oh, Lord Jesus, I need you to live your life in me and through me, because without you, I don't have that. Right? And that's okay. It's actually a beautiful place to come to where you go, you know what? Without Christ Jesus operating through me, I do not have the fruit of the Spirit. That's a great place to be. Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, so it's referencing Genesis 1, 2, and 3, when Adam sinned, and which also means when Eve sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, and death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. It's pretty amazing. But there was a sin sort of nature that got put in us uh, with that original sin, and we all have it. We all are self-focused, self-centered so we're born selfish. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created you. In the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve this choice between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they chose they want to know about God rather than know God, right from the beginning. And we face a similar choice every day. Are we going to choose religion, knowing, God, knowing about God? Or are we going to choose relationship, actually knowing him? 
And that's kind of what this fruit of the Spirit thing is about. We all face that same choice, and we all chose the same thing. We have this sin that Christ came to rescue us from, this selfishness, this self-orientedness that he came. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The human heart is most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's hard. Like that's, that's actually hard to read. You know, that's, that's not fun. If, you're, if you don't, haven't come face to face with your own sort of frailty and your own um, ugliness apart from the Lord, that's hard to look at. So my second point in this little theological discussion is that we're born selfish, but here's the good news. When we're born again in Jesus, that fruit of the Spirit is planted in our hearts, and it can begin to grow. So when we come to him and we surrender our lives and we go, Lord Jesus, without you, I am void, I am bankrupt, I have nothing. Would you come into my heart? Would you live inside of me? And the Holy Spirit comes into us and fills us. The fruit of the Spirit is then planted in us and begin to grow out. We're born selfish. We are born again with the fruit of the Spirit. Make sense? In John 3, uh, Jesus is actually talking to a guy named Nicodemus. I'm not going to go there, but it's the first place in the Gospels where God introduces this concept of being born again. And it's this spot where you literally are asking the Lord Jesus to come and live inside of you. And when that happens, the old guy is gone. Galatians 2.20 actually says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. That's what happens when this fruit of the Spirit gets planted inside of you. It's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them singleness of heart and I will put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn hearts. Ever feel like that? You got a stony, stubborn heart? I wake up some mornings like that and I'm like, oh, there's old stony, stubborn Michael. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. You wouldn't believe how many conversations we have at our house. Could you have been a little bit more gentle? Tender, kind, considerate. I mean, and, and, and you know what else I have to do frequently is look at one or more members of my family and go, guys, I did not, I, I did not exemplify the fruit of the Spirit here. I was not as gentle as I could be or patient as I could be or loving as I could be. Would you forgive me? It's such a good thing. It's good for our kids to see us do that. Can I say that? It's good for our grandkids to see us do that because it allows this room and this space for us not to be perfect because guess what? Nobody's perfect. If you're convinced you are, oh, Jesus help you. And once you come to this realization that you're not, it's like this open place where you can come and go, Lord Jesus, I don't have it, but you do. Would you come and live in me? Would you come and live through me? So when we're born again, we are literally uh, born. The fruit of the Spirit is deposited into us, planted on the fabrics of heart. When we're filled with the Spirit, those fruits really become activated. You know, we've just planted a little garden at our house. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you take an avocado seed, um, we, the kids and I have done it a handful of times, you take an avocado seed and you put little toothpicks in it and you stand it in a little uh, bit of water, on your counter in a slightly sunny spot. It doesn't take long, and all of a sudden that little thing's growing. It's amazing. You can actually go plant it. We don't live in a climate where it'll produce avocados, but 
it really is amazing to see this little thing happen. When we come to Christ, when we're born again, when Christ takes residence in our, in our spirit, in our heart, that is like that little seed. The fruit of the Spirit is really planted within us and it can begin to grow. Now, I will also say there are painful choices every day that we have to make to surrender to him, to let him really move in our lives and through our lives. I feel like every single day we face this decision. Lord, am I going to let your grace, your kindness, your peace, your joy move through me? Or am I going to have that little stony, stubborn, ugly heart? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? We've all been there. One of the things that I've done, Abby and I were actually talking about this the other day, but I love and have a number of relationships with people who are older and wiser than me. And one of the things I've done is I've asked dozens and dozens of different people, if you could go back to your 30s, what would you do differently? What would you do at the beginning of your career? What would you do in your 20s? I ask them some form or fashion of that. And it is fascinating to me, but what I hear almost every time is some version of, I'd be more patient, I'd be more kind, I'd be more grace-giving, I'd be less judgmental. I mean, I hear it every single time. And literally what people are telling me is, I would walk in more of the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, it really is. I look at my own life, and I look at our two older kids, and I'm like, I'm already a kinder, gentler person a version of myself having walked with the Lord these last 10 or 12, 13 years that our kids are. And it's a beautiful process that happens, but here, I got news for you. It only happens if we bear into it, surrender to King Jesus, and let him live his life in us and through us. The Holy Spirit wants to conform you into his likeness. He wants to grow those fruit of the spirits in, in, inside of you, but you've got to embrace it and be willing to take the journey. So I think let's look at one more theological thing before I get real practical, but I would ask a question, sort of a rhetorical question. Okay, so we're standing here today, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We can go back to Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. How do I get more of that? Michael, how do I get more of that in my life on a daily basis? How do I activate the fruit of the Spirit in my marriage, with my kids, with my family, with my friends? How do I, how do, I do this? I want to read you a quote by a guy that I love named A.W. Tozer. Here's what he says about being refined and therefore allowing more of the spirit in your life. Do you want to be filled with a spirit who, though he is like Jesus in his gentleness and love, will nevertheless demand to be Lord of your life? Are you willing to let your personality be taken over by another, even if that other be the Spirit of God himself. If the Spirit takes charge of your life, he will expect unquestioning obedience in everything. He will not tolerate you in the self-sins, even though they are permitted and excused by most Christians. Tozer just lays it out. You will find the Spirit to be in sharp opposition to the easy ways of the world and the mixed multitude within the precincts of religion. He will be jealous over you for good. He will not allow you to boast or swagger or show off. He will take direction 
of your life away from you. He will reserve the right to test you, to discipline you, to chasten you for your soul's sake. He may even strip you of those borderline pleasures with which other Christians enjoy, but which to you are a source of refined evil. Though it, through it all, he will enfold you into a love so vast, so mighty, so all-embracing, and so wondrous that your very losses will seem like gains and your small pains like pleasure. So how does the fruit of the Spirit happen in our lives? And I would say to you today, biblically, I think it happens as we are refined. One day we need to have Clive give his sermon on the refiner's fire coming out of, what is that, Malachi, maybe three. It's amazing. Refining, the refining process. And as we go through painful things, and as we're willing to really surrender them to Jesus, we begin to take on the character of likeness of Christ every single day. It's a beautiful, beautiful journey. So how do you develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life? You get refined. How do you get refined? Well, Billy Graham, who we all know and love, said it like this. He is not coming to soothe you or to comfort you or even to protect you or to ensure you against every calamity that may happen to you. He is coming to refine you. He is coming to burn out the baser metals so that silver can shine through. And this is a painful process. I don't know how you came in here today. You may have come in here through difficulty. There may be pain in your marriage, in your family. There may be difficulty at work. Like it might be really a challenging time. If you had a hard week, if you've had a hard month, or if it's been a hard few years, it might even been a hard decade, I've got good news. God's bringing you into the fullness of his spirit and his person. Now, do I, am I saying to you that God has caused all that difficulty? No. No, 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 no. But he uses the difficult things to conform us into his likeness if we're willing to surrender him to him, if we're willing to bring those things to him. And he wants to develop those fruits of the spirit in our lives. So I want to look at four just practical ways because I like to take the scriptures, I want to look at them and study them, and then I almost want to take those scriptures and go, okay, Lord, how can we um, practically activate the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Can I do that? I'll probably get in your hair or if you're like me and Jim Cooper back there, your lack of hair. Let's make it practical. So here's a thought. It's just a, it's a question that I ask myself periodically. <clears throat> if you're taking notes, it might be worth making a note. But are you building your resume or are you building your eulogy? So the question is, how do I activate the fruit of the Spirit in my life? So the question I act, I'm asking myself as I make decisions, am I building my resume or am I building my eulogy? What, what do I mean by that? Well, when you're building your resume, I'm trying to get more prestige, I'm trying to get more position, I might be trying to get more power, I might be trying to get more money, and none of those things by themselves are bad or negative, I'm not saying that. But when you start thinking of the end of your life and looking backwards, you begin to build things that I think matter. Did I take on the character of Christ? How well did I love people? Was I really leaving a legacy of those around me? Was I a blessing to my neighbors? Did I change the dynamics that were happening at my work? Did I shift the school that I was planted in? Did I shift the city? You begin to look at things from this totally different perspective. And I think a question as things arise in your life, you just look at yourself and go, am I building here? Is my motive to really build my resume or my eulogy? Do I really want to make an impact? Or am I just trying to promote myself? Totally different, right? 
You know, one of the things that I've learned is probably 97 or 98, maybe even 99 of the percent of things that I get upset about from the eternal perspective don't matter. You know, I have no idea why, but on the way to school, we, I take the kids to school in the morning, and we always we have this great little rhythm of reading a, a couple of scriptures, and we all pray, and we're usually grateful to the Lord for some things. But when we're late, do you know what it's like in our car? One of our children is like, we're going to be late! The other one doesn't really care. <laughs> but, but it's like in the scheme of things, does it even matter really? If we're five minutes late and we have to walk to the office and check them in, they both got great grades, nobody's failing, this is not that big a deal. And yet why is it that those things become so monumental? I mean, can I tell you the things that we even fuss about in our marriage? And, and, and we step back and look at each other and it's like, are we really fussing about this? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so silly. The stuff we get all bent out of shape about when you step back and look at it from your eulogy, from the end of things, does it really even matter? I'm embarrassed sometimes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I get to the end of a thing or something happens and I look at my reaction and I go, you know, I am embarrassed. Lord, would you please help me? You ever do that? It's a good spot to be. It's a good place to be. Because then the Holy Spirit can begin to work through you. If you're building your eulogy, you're going to naturally exhibit the fruit of the Spirit because you're going to make it about eternity. You know, we, uh, I, I wasn't going to share this, but I can't go through this sermon without. But yesterday, um, we uh, buried our little toy poodle, Boo. And he was 15 years old. And we, uh, if the Mattis family looks a little puffy-eyed, that's why we're all a little raw around the edges and we're all cried out and our eyes are about dry. And I got up this morning, I was like, I can't even see. <clears throat> but we had a beautiful little service. We buried him in the backyard. We put a dogwood tree over him. We all talked. And, you know, one of the things that we laughed about was, Boo loved everybody. Boo loved everybody well. I'm not spiritualizing my little dog, but I'm just saying, oh, that we could love people like that. You know, how many times do we encounter someone and because they're different, however that difference is, socioeconomic, color of skin, place they came from, car they drive, the work they do, you, I mean, you fill in the blank. When people are different, we get in our little lane and can't get out. And that, that is heartbreaking, I think, to the Spirit of God. Boo was so sweet because everywhere we took him, he was a conversation starter. Everywhere. He'd, have, he'd go in our bike basket, and people would want to stop and talk about Boo and pet Boo. We have this little bag, this little brown bag that he would literally sit in, and you'd carry him around with you, and he had his little head right here, you know. And people would all want to talk about this cute little dog. Such a picture to me, as silly as it is, of how the Lord, I think, calls us to be with people. Conversation starters. People who can reach across divides. People who would go out of their way to talk to somebody that they're maybe like, I don't know. Ask your rhetorical question. You analyze your own soul. When was the last time you went and talked to somebody that made you uncomfortable? Now, I don't mean dangerous. There's, there's weird, creepy people, and I'm not saying go hang out with weird, creepy people. I'm not saying put yourself in danger, but I'm saying just think about it. When was the last time you um, 
went out of your way and sat down and sought to actually look someone in the eyes and have a conversation and really seek to understand how the world looks from their point of view. That's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. When I see people doing that, I see people that I think the Spirit of God is using. The power of relationship, the power of sitting across someone and help, help me understand things from your point of view. Help me understand the way you see the world. Help me understand your past, your childhood, your adulthood, and, and why you are the way you are and why you're making the decisions you're making. That's powerful. I mean, that breaks down all walls and barriers. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Are you building your resume or are you building your eulogy? Another thing that I do, and I got this from a guy named uh, Bob Goff, but <clears throat> he actually said, and I've made note of it and done it uh, multiple times in my life, but the whole concept is I talk to the Michael plus 10. So I'm 38. So I'm looking ahead to when I'm 48. So let me give you the example of how this plays out. Um, I got a text message this week. It was a group text message. And I got it. And I did, you know, like Michael minus 20 came out. I, I wanted to go back to Michael at 18, you know. I mean, it was, it was shocking. I was like, Lord, I had to put my phone down and walk away and take some time and think and reflect. And then I literally sat there and I went, I am literally preaching on this Sunday. What, 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 and how? Would Michael plus 10? How would Michael at 48? Who does the man that I believe God has called me to be in 10 years, how would he respond and coach me on how to respond in this situation? It's just a simple little exercise. But for me, it brought me back to my phone. Abby's laughing at me. She was on the group text. Uh, it brought me back to my phone, and I went, you know what? I'm going to respond to this situation like I would want to tell myself to if I was 48 looking back. Man, the gift of actually taking a few minutes and pausing, the gift of being able to put your phone down and walk away or put a situation down and step aside and just get, get perspective on what's happening and go in the grand scheme of things from, a, from whether it's your eulogy or whether it's you plus 10, how is this gonna impact you and who do you wanna be? Who do you wanna be? Abby and I were at a, at a gathering the other day. It was, a, it was actually a really, sad, uh, the reason we were all gathered, but I literally sat there and I thought, okay, I want to be a part of unifying churches in the city of Wilmington. So Michael, in 10 years, I hope that we are, we are, there is something that's happening and we're bringing churches together. We're not backbiting and looking at each other and stealing people and I count and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm tired of all that. But actually unifying churches in the city and I worked through the crowd talking to different leaders and pastors just going, I want to be a blessing. I want to build bridges. I want to be this, this person. And I started informing myself now who God's called me to be here. And I'm going to start acting like it now. That's powerful. That's powerful to look ahead and go, this is who I want to be. And I'm going to start acting and living like it now. Who do you want to be in 10 years? Talk to the you plus 10. Maybe even, you know, I'm not saying talk to yourself and be, you know, whatever, but uh, maybe even let that person in 10 years look back at you and go, do this differently. Let more of the Holy Spirit shine in you and through you. You know, the other thing kind of in this concept that, that I've begun to do more and more is I'm just assuming people are super insecure. I've come to the place where I go, you know what? I'm super insecure. 
I mean, you, know, you just go, I am insecure. Like, there's dumb things that happen, and I am like, I'm insecure. This is silly. But as I've begun to acknowledge my own insecurity, what happens is you get a little bit more secure. And then you acknowledge your insecurity a little bit more, and you get a little bit more secure. But what I've also begun to do is look at other people and go, you know what, they're just super insecure. Like, I don't need to get bent out of shape. I don't need to give a lot of negative airtime or negative thought space to whatever they did or whatever they said. I want to activate the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I want to see the Holy Spirit moving through my life. And I don't want to have a lot of, you know, negative whatever. They're just super insecure. This is probably worth saying here, but... I was sitting at a restaurant. Uh, it was actually at the Crapery, where Clive and I meet sometimes. But we had uh, two consultants come in for Saltbox. One consultant was on children's ministry, and one consultant was on small group ministry. And Abby and I were sitting there, and we had little Amelia with us. Our older two were in school. And Amelia was tired and grumpy. She was saying, fine. Not really, but, you know, that's what she was doing. And uh, Abby had to take her and leave, and we'd, we'd, left, I, we'd left a little bit of a mess on the table and on the floor. And, you know, when you have kids, you're just used to a little bit of mess, right? And before you leave, Abby and my sort of rhythm is before we leave, we'd clean it up, you know, reach down and pick up the Cheerios or Goldfish or whatever it is on the floor. I used to make fun of people who had minivans like that, by the way. And then you go, oh, I have a minivan like that. But we would, we're sitting at this restaurant, and, and I, of course, I'd reach down and clean up this stuff before we left. But I'm sitting there talking to the consultant. Abby and Amelia get up and, and go, and there's some stuff on the floor underneath the table that I've yet to clean up. But we're deep in conversation. And there is this precious lady that stands up, and she walks over, and all of a sudden I have somebody yelling at me. Literally, she's yelling at me. And I, I turn around, and she was like, you are a leader in this city. I'm like, you should be ashamed of yourself because you've not cleaned up your table. I mean, just laid into me. And I am literally sitting there. And what's your first response? You want to rear up? You want to bite her head off? I mean, I am just the old, you know, Michael minus 20. There it goes. Boom! Who are you? What is your problem? Leave me alone. I mean, it is all rising up inside of me. And I'm sitting with these two consultants. I'm embarrassed because she's right. We left a mess. We hadn't cleaned it up. There's a sweet uh, waitress who was there, and she was actually sweeping up while this lady was, you know, literally yelling at me. And three or four tables all around us heard this whole interaction. I am literally embarrassed. I mean, I'm embarrassed. And I literally thought, okay, here it is. There's gasoline on the table. And if I, just even one little spark from me, what's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, I am literally like, oh, my goodness, Lord Jesus. She's right, too. I'm a leader in the city. I'm like, how? I'm, this is all my headspace now. Am I going to give airtime? Am I going to give headspace to the negativity of this lady? How do I respond so that I don't do one little spark? Because one little spark, and you know what I'm talking about. You've been in situations, haven't you? One little spark. <laughs> and I literally looked at her, and in my own head I went, this lady is super insecure. If she's married... Her spouse probably doesn't like her very much. I, I literally, I, I said that to myself. I did, I'm telling you the truth. And, and then, I, then I sat there and I thought, this is all in my head. If she has kids, they may not like her very much. And you know what, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. And all of a sudden, my defensiveness starts going down. My compassion starts coming up. And then I went, I wonder if she has grandkids. 
Because she obviously, even though she's right, this is not the way you handle almost a 40-year-old man, wife, kids, grandkids. If she has grandkids, they may not even like her. My defensiveness goes down a little bit more. My compassion goes up. And I literally looked at her. It, it, it took me about 20 seconds to, to do all this in my head. But I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you are so right. Thank you. And then I turned right back to my conversation and we went right back in and didn't even miss a beat. I didn't give her any negative airspace though. I went, you know what? I am not gonna let this lady's negativity ruin my day and ruin what we're doing. And you know, the truth is we are in those type of situations all the time in our marriages, aren't we? I mean, Abby and I have moments where between the two of us, I'm like, if either one of us lit that little spark, I'm doing a spark like you do with a blowtorch. Have you ever seen it? There's a little spark thing that lights a blowtorch. Literally just this tiny little, just this little spark. And all, you know, the thing lights. Gasoline's like that. Have you ever started a campfire like that? And you get in situations and it's like, we have this opportunity as we allow the Holy Spirit to move through our lives to diffuse, to settle things, to give a peaceful answer, to be gracious, to take the high road, or we can exacerbate things. Talk to the you plus 10. Decide who God's called you to be and start being that person now, in your marriage, in your families, with your kids, wherever you are. Become that person. Let the Holy Spirit craft you and shape you into that person. The other thing I'd say right here, and this is, this is just for me, but I have to watch um, in, the, in the me plus 10, I have to watch the, the um, navel gazing. You know what I mean? Look at my belly button. Or, or uh, you could think of it like this. I've heard somebody say it called the eddy of introspection. You know what an eddy is on a river? So a river's flowing. And on the sides of the river, it'll hit little bumps and it creates this uh, swirl on the side of the river. And it just... Things like trash, like a styrofoam cup, will get cut in an, caught in an eddy, and it'll just go around and around and around. And if I'm not careful in my own life, I'll get caught in these little eddies of introspection, just this like little self, you know, instead of just more quickly going, you know what, I missed it, I blew it, I was wrong, I need to ask somebody's forgiveness, God, will you help me do better next time? Lord, would you let the fruit of the Spirit be more prevalent in and through my life? And then moving on. The elders have helped me with that. Clive's helped me with that. Michael, get out. You're, you're, you're caught. He doesn't call it the eddy of introspection, but he, don't get caught in the past. Move into the future. We were, um, I can't even remember what it was, but we were watching something, and we were talking about people who make a difference. Uh, as a family, the four of us were talking, Amelia's in bed, about people who make a difference, and the common denominator in this particular conversation was they're able to leave the past behind and press on towards the future. You can get caught in that. You can get caught. I'm not saying don't learn from it, don't grow from it, don't grieve it, don't mourn it. you got to do all those things. But at some point, you want to be moving forward. Talk to the you plus 10. So ask yourself, are you building your resume or your, your eulogy? Talk to the person you want to become, the person God's called you to become, and let that person inform who and where you are now so that you can act, respond, and react out of that place. <clears throat> The third thing I would say practically, I love this, it's actually a verse, it's Romans 12, 18, 
And again, we're going, how can I activate the fruit of the Spirit in my life? But it says, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace. So one of the things I'm learning as I get older is I'm just not going to argue. I'm just not going to argue. It doesn't do any good. I'm learning to believe the best of people. I'm learning to assume the best of people. But I'm also learning not to give a lot of negative uh, airspace in my own head because I've done that in the past. I've spent a lot of time letting things replay over and over, either my mistakes or somebody else's mistakes. That doesn't help anybody. Can I say that? That does not help anybody. And that is not the Holy Spirit activating the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Uh, how many of you have Instagram? A couple, couple people? If you have Instagram, there's this fascinating thing on Instagram. It's, it's new. But you can mute people. It's cool. You can mute people. And you can, you can actually, uh, if something's happened or somebody said a negative thing or negative comment, whatever, you, you don't have to unfollow them because when you unfollow them, people get upset. You unfollowed me. I'm like, oh, gosh. But you can literally just mute somebody. And I, this is a silly little example. But you can literally uh, mute someone, and it means their posts don't come up on your feed. We've got to do the same thing in life. There's some times where you've done all that you can do with someone, and you must move forward, and you just need to mute them. You just need to move forward. You do all that you can do to be at peace. And that's okay. Can I give you permission to do that? That is okay. Okay to be in that spot and to be in that place. I think the other thing I'd say as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit is people say wonky things all the time. You ever heard that word, wonky? Have you ever said something and the moment it comes out of your mouth, you're like, I can't believe I said that? Like, oh, I wish I could get that back. Oh. I feel like I do that a lot, being honest. But you know what? People say wonky stuff all the time, and the more you can overlook it, give grace, and move on, the better you're going to do. Don't give a lot of negative airspace to the weird stuff people say. Just move on. Believe the best. Assume the best. You might need to stop fighting with your kids or your spouse and start asking questions. This is very rabbinic, by the way. This is very Christ Jesus. This is what he would have done. Ask questions. Seeking to understand. Monica, what did you mean by that? What, 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 were, what were you thinking when you said that? Would, would you help me understand the way, you, you know, I came across to you? That's a wild comment. Have you ever asked somebody that? Will you help me understand the way I came across? That takes courage. It takes a lot of courage. Will you help me understand the way I made you feel? You want to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Like, really? You want to? Look around at the people closest to you and ask them, how am I doing? Go back to the list. I mean, literally, ask them. I'm going to find my verse. Here it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Babe, how am I doing at allowing the Holy Spirit to live those things in me and through me? She'll tell me. Abby will tell me. But how many of us actually do that? Ask the people around us, how am I doing in this area? That's courageous. But you know what? That's healthy relationship. And I don't think real, authentic relationship gets really good until you're able to start doing things like that. Because that's when the good stuff happens. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I don't want to skate through life without a great marriage. I don't want to skate through life with a bad relationship with my kids. I don't want to skate through life without good relationships with the people around me. I want to have great relationships. And you know, I'm going, Lord Jesus, would you help me where I'm doing a poor job? I'm going to reach out and ask a few people, help me see what I don't see. 
You ever sat with somebody and had lettuce on your teeth? You don't see it, do you? You just don't know what you don't know until somebody's courageous enough to tell you. And the way we tell people matters. Oh my goodness, I've done this wrong more times than I'd like to. All right, so my uh, third point there was as far as it depends upon you, be at peace. The last thing I would say is minimize distractions. This is a funny one, I think. But I think one of the greatest enemies of the Holy Spirit actively moving through your life, probably all of our life, but one of the greatest enemies of us being aware of the Holy Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit being lived in us and through us, is we're just distracted. We could probably go around the room. I'm distracted by my iPhone. Somebody's distracted by their, you know, CNN or whatever news thing you watch because it beeps on me all the time and I'm always watching. I'm distracted by politics. I'm not, we could go through the whole thing, couldn't we? We're, we? We get distracted and it happens so fast, all of a sudden, you know, we're not even thinking about the Lord, the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do in us, what he wants to do through us, what he wants to do in our marriage, what he wants to do in our families. And we've got to almost call, pause, call a time out on the distractions, sweep them all aside and go, Lord, where are you in this situation? And where am I? And will you help me find your voice? And would you help me live the fruit of the Spirit? Because that's the way this thing happens. If I get real practical, I struggle with the Mary and Martha thing. You guys probably remember the Mary and Martha story. You know, you got Martha who's really doing great things. Like she's getting everything ready and getting the house ready and running around like a crazy person. And then you have Mary who's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Like being a slacker. And Martha's like, what are you doing? And Jesus is like, she's doing the right thing. Not just the right thing, she's doing the most important thing. You know, in my head at any given time, I've got a punch list that's like, you know, 78 things long. And they're all task oriented. Oh, I need to hurry up and do this. And then I need to go over here and do this. And then I got to get this done. And I got to pay that bill. And, blah, blah, blah. and all of a sudden, I have missed what the Lord is doing. Yesterday, it was an act of real self discipline for me because going into knowing that Boo was going to be put down, our little toy poodle, we took the entire day and we went, we are going to grieve and cry as a family. We are going to call time out on all our chores and all our stuff and all that needs to be done and we just cried and we cried all day long. We reminisced, we drove to like seven places in the city, was it about seven places in the city where Boo had been really uh, just good memories. We went and ate at P.T.'s because Boo used to go to P.T.'s with us and he'd sit under the table and he'd eat the little fry pieces, you know what I'm saying? And we, but we just went around and we just, we just reminisced as a family. We just called a timeout. We swept everything away and we went, Lord, what, what is most important here is our relationships with our kids, Abby and my marriage, little Amelia, she's growing up and calling a timeout to let the Holy Spirit work in us and through us. Let the fruit of the Spirit be manifest in our life. We get so distracted. We even get distracted by good religious stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, good stuff that we have to do. And I'm not saying not to have a punch list. I, I still have like 78 of them. But I'm saying just be really careful. Be really, really careful that the Holy Spirit isn't trying to do something in you, through you, around you, in your marriage, in your life, with your kids, and you're unable to really let him move because you're distracted. I do this all the time. Just got to throttle everything back. Last week, Clive and Ruth shared, and one of the things they said I just loved, I 
loved a lot of what they said, but one of the things they said that just stuck with me was, they said, Clive actually said, drain pipes for Jesus. Did you catch that? About a month ago, Steve preached, and he brought up a hose. I don't know if you remember that. But he said, hoses for Jesus. One of the things I love about our elder group is they are so ruthlessly committed to going, get out of the way, surrender your life, and let the Holy Spirit flow through you. (laughs) Drain pipes for Jesus. Hoses for Jesus. So however you need to engage the Lord in your life, if you need to go, am I building my resume or my eulogy? It's a good way to do it. If you need to speak to the who you're going to be in 10 years, who God's called you to be, who the Holy Spirit wants you to become, do that. If you need to minimize distractions or as far as it depends upon you to be at peace, whatever you need to do, begin to do that. Throttle the headspace back and begin to go, Lord, will you manifest your fruit in my life? Because the goal is all of him and all of me. That's the goal. The goal is all of him and all of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is tremendously humbling to read your scriptures. Because, Lord, if we come and we actually read your scriptures in such a way that we look at them like a mirror to look at our own lives instead of a scope with which to judge other people, it's very humbling. Lord, it's humbling to read Galatians 5.22. It's humbling to read that and look at our own lives and come to the realization that, oh, Lord Jesus, we're not allowing you to move through us in every single area. Father, I want to pray for little salt box church this morning. Let me say it like this because of what Clive said. I want to pray for growing salt box church this morning. And Lord, I want to pray that you would take a group of people who are broken, who aren't perfect, who don't have it all figured out, who aren't doing it all right, and you would begin to use us like drain pipes for Jesus. That you begin to flow through us. That you would begin to minister through us. That you would begin to touch us, Lord. Would you start with us? Would you start here? And would you let us, Lord, share of your goodness, of your kindness? Because, Lord, the truth is, way before we're kind to other people, you've been kind to us. You shared your love for us. You went to a cross. You were patient with us. You forgave us. You called us. You welcomed us when we were still stuck in our sin. So, Lord, today on this Sunday morning as we gather here, Father, would you create in us new hearts? Would you give us new hearts?